Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Growing up, 
mm-hmm. about 75 degrees, a nice breeze blowing. You sit in the shade and you actually need a little light sweater or a hoodie. So, yeah, today was perfect Garrett County summer day. Well, the dogs didn't think so, but that's because they got a bath of cold water in 70 degrees. <laughs> but anyhow, well, it we're... wasn't totally cold. Now, we're not cool. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah the sun shined on the hose a while, so they had it pretty nice. But uh, we're here to bring you another round of, uh, like I said, Oro Expeditions After Dark. And tonight, we uh, have a feeling there's going to be a couple of special guests stopping by. And uh, we're looking forward to that. We won't bring it up who just yet, but uh, might be quite a few special guests stopping by. You just never know because it seems that the word is out about Oro Expeditions. Again, we had 134% rise in likes over at Oro Expeditions Facebook over the last seven days. So things are looking up there. Social media is turning out to be very social over the last couple of weeks. For a change. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it has a lot to do with our other show and uh, the other, the the, uh, little thing we have going with cryptocurrency. Um, That show was on on Wednesday nights, but we moved it to Thursdays. So in order to play nice with other radio hosts, so... You got to check it out. Thursday nights, 9 p.m. It's crypto and then some with myself and Miss Paula. But this is Sunday, and we're here to talk about gold mining mostly and a little bit of and then some, which we have a few little surprises for that today, tonight, too. Sit on your hands. Yeah, right. So then I can't wave at anybody. Then you can't talk. I know. If you sit on your hands, you can't talk. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, it, yeah, it's, you're, ex, you have an excitable personality and you want to spread the energy around. But, right. But you have a very sensitive microphone. <laughs> but, on onward and upward to, other things. <laughs> Where are you going with it? I don't know. Where am I going, going with up? that? <laughs> I sort of lost that train of thought. I yeah. had it, and then it went. That's that's one of those things about it's not your age. It's it's not the miles. It's how you run them. <laughs> right. You sometimes get to the point where. In mid-stride, you forget where you're going or why you were even going there. <laughs> well, a, a good way to start the show is kind of like we did last week. And I don't know, I didn't prepare by, I guess you would say, vetting this particular diary of a 49er, but I'm pretty sure we're on part four. Okay. I you think Yeah, I think we are. Tell me either. But anyhow, if we aren't, we'll get to hear part four again. I think part three was in two parts last week, and I was went ahead and read the second part was the way that worked. We didn't review last week's show to find out tonight, so here we go. Diary of a 49er, part four, August 25, 1849, Salmon Falls, South Fork of the American River. 
25th. Yesterday, I returned to Salmon Falls and am again encamped beneath the old oak upon the hill, Mr. C. and his friend being with me. They have slung their hammocks up among the branches where they sleep comfortably, protected from the ants and vermin. My bed is, as usual, upon the ground where even my night bag does not guard me from the annoying attacks of the ants and lizards. Last night, after I had fallen asleep, my companions were aroused by hearing a coyote barking near us, and soon they saw him come and smell of my hands and face, seeming to doubt whether he would take a bite without being detected. A company of 19 had just commenced damming the river at the head of an island above the falls, nearly a mile in length, by which they expect to lay bare the channel on one side, the whole length of the island. The proceedings of a meeting of the company today, with reference to my admission, were truly Californian. It was first resolved that I should be admitted, and then as they had been worked two days, that I should furnish the company five bottles of brandy as the condition of my membership. The brandy was brought, bought and drank, and then a committee waited upon me to notify me that I was a member, and that a trader had furnished them brandy to the amount of $10 on my account, paid his dues. As they knew that there were no other way by which they could obtain a treat from me, it was bought and drank before I was informed of the transaction. On my way from Weaver's Creek yesterday, I made the acquaintance of an intelligent gentleman from Washington City who had held there a profitable office under government and had left the family behind him. He came hoping to better a good condition. A few days' labor in the mines was sufficient to convince him that it would have been better to let well enough alone. His is not a solitary case. The mines are full of such. The wonderful instances of success which those at home are made to believe are common are about in the proportion of one to a thousand. Of the 999 cases of failure, or at least of limited success, those at a distance know nothing. Nothing of the privations and discouragements, trials, and dangers and death. August 26th. On my way to the place for preaching today, I stepped into a hornet's nest and was badly stung on my hand. These hornets, called yellow jackets, live around and in our tents and share our provisions. I have had 20 of them on my plate at once. My hand was much swollen, and I feared to be unable to fulfill my engagement with the company by preaching to them. The kindness of the wife of one of the miners who brought a bottle of hartshorn from the tent and bathed my hand with it soon relieved me. Our church was God's first temple. My audience were seated upon the grass of the river bank beneath a cluster of pine trees. There they were, from all the states, from Europe, from Africa, from Oceania. Such hours of worship on God's holy day, spent with my mining companions or with some beloved Christian brother who remained steadfast, immovable in his integrity amid the corrupting vices of the mines, will never be forgotten. When we could not walk to the house of God in company, we sometimes walked upon the mountains and there together sang the songs of Zion and prayed to the Father ever merciful and good in a strange land. I take pleasure in recalling to my mind such a noble-hearted Christian who had devoted 
one-fourth of his anticipated earnings, California, to religious charities. It was my pleasure afterward, when in San Francisco, to send him through the Secretary of the American Bible Society, a quantity of Bibles, hymn books, and sermons, his purpose being to form a Bible class among the minors. He wished them to be sent as early as possible, as he hoped, he said, to get possession of the ground and thus keep out the gambling table and the brandy bottles. September 3rd. We are yet at work throwing a dam over the river. It would be thought from the manner in which some members of the company talk about what they know must be in the channel of the river that they expect to do no more work after this. A perfect Mohammedan heaven with its tree bearing every luxury, its beautiful treasures, its arbors where no care or trouble exist, seem ready to be revealed as soon as the water which curtains them over shall be drawn aside. An interesting incident occurred today. A young Englishman in our company from the Society Islands was returning to his tent during the interval at noon for lunch and rest. On his way, one of the many strangers he met inquired the way to certain mines below. From this they fell into a conversation upon some indifferent topic, and both being wearied, they sat down side by side upon a rock, little thinking what an interesting and beautiful revelation was about to be made to them. In the conversation, one incidentally inquired of the other where he was from. From the Society Islands, was the reply. With an awkward interest in his manner, he inquired, Which island? Tahiti, was the answer. He looked into the face of the other with a searching gaze and with a deep emotion inquired, What is your name? H, he said. You are my brother, and they are locked in each other's arms. There they are at the bar below me, walking arm in arm and conversing with intense interest. I afterward learned many of these brothers from a lady whose father was the first missionary to Tahiti. September 8th. Our damming operation has been an entire failure. We spent many days constructing the dam, which when completely drained a large portion of the river. When this was done, we thoroughly prospected the hole and found nothing. The banks and bars of the river were rich in some places, but there was not grains of gold in any channel. September 9th. Attending preaching at Mormon Island today, being laid out. I called to spend the night with a company of gentlemen from Cincinnati who were encamped in a solitary place some two miles below Salmon Falls upon the river. We had just finished our supper an hour since, during which they were relating to me some difficulties they had with the Indians, who had stolen $200 from them. After this theft, the measure which had been resorted to for the recovery of the money, the Indians would frequently came after dark and throw stones across the river into camp. September 10th. Upon a bar above our dam, some miners lately met with some success. Rumors of this success, but has exaggerated, were circulated. Ounces were reported as pounds, of course. The, ch- the change at once was magical. Trading tents, the signs of rival positions, eating and gambling booze springing up and the noise and confusion of a large village are heard. More than a hundred men are at work upon the bar. The operious dirt must be taken a quarter of a mile to the river to be washed. Some do this by packing the dirt in bags upon mules 
and some packed us upon their own backs. One company from Hartford gave us a surprise this morning. They had with them a quantity of hose, and by this means brought the water from the river upon the bar, thus saving the labor of packing dirt. The gold is chiefly found in one vein, running in nearly a direct line at right angles to the river. The few who have found this vein have done comparatively well. All the rest spend their labor for which there is not bread. A company of Cincinnati miners have invited me to work with them as a claim up on the bar. They have just told me that the Indians came last night in large numbers and made an attack upon their camp, which was, which they were compelled to abandon at midnight, swimming the river to take refuge with a company of New York miners. September 18th. There is but little dirt upon the bar, and it is now regarded as worked out, and the miners are leaving as fast as they came. Our company have made upon the bar $65 each. I have been now three months in the mines and have made $390. There is much sickness here. One half of the whole population are sick. I have, I have to today been informed by the mournful death of a merchant from Philadelphia, a fellow voyager from Cape San Lucas. He was the object of anxious solitude to his friends soon after his arrival at San Francisco. He had come on with bright hopes, which were sadly disappointed. To drown his sorrows and disappointment, he had given himself up to drink. Many times had they exasperated, exa expostulated with him, but in vain. He died in San Francisco. Yeah, those were hard times. There was, they weren't the big cities that you think of today. They were still just little cow towns and mud streets and. Mm -hmm. Wood well, frame buildings and what I liked about tonight's entry was the fact that it showed getting someplace new, trying real hard and getting very doubtful, and then hitting it big, and then just as quick as it happened, running out of the vein, the gold running out, and people leaving just as quick as they got there. That was that's the way it happened a lot then, and it happens today that way. Oh, yeah. I mean, a town would spring up practically overnight with their tents and their wares and ladies of the evening and their and the liquor. And, and then a week later, they could all be packing up their tents and moving sort of like they did with the, when they were building the railroad. You know, they would build their allotted miles and then they'd pack up their tents and move to the next place. So it was uh, nothing like it is today with our air-conditioned RVs and things like that. It was the weather and the animals and uh, the bugs and the, and as he said, a, um, a lot of the times there was cholera in the camps, and uh, so it was it was not an easy life. You have to worry about dysentery and all kinds of things. Oh yeah. Anything that had to do with malnutrition and bad weather and uh, bad working conditions. So it was, uh, it, it took quite a toll. I mean, we had just lost 600, well, we, we were, you know, lost a whole lot of people that went west. And then 
what was it, not 20 years after that, we lost 600,000 people to the Civil War. So that was a time when you wouldn't think there was that many people in the whole country (laughs) because the country was so big and so scattered out, but yet you hear about, you know, thousands have died in California in the gold rush and thousands have died in the war. And, and you, you just, it just, at least to somebody who knows their history, it's kind of mind boggling. Oh yeah. Now with the way everybody is denying history these days, they might not care. Uh, those of us who grew up under the old education system and learned about U.S. history and world history and not what what it is they teach today, which we won't go there. But <laughs> but it's just uh, like I said, it it's to think about it. It's and even when you think about, uh, and I know I've said this before, but if you think about our grandparents that were born near or right before or right after the turn of the 19th or the 20th century. Right. Horse and buggy, you know, the, you, you had to be rich to have I electricity mean, there, and running water. Yeah. Or, you know, any kind of modern farming implements or anything like that. You farmed with horses. Um, they, they went from literally from horse and buggy to people going to space, computers, cell phones. I mean, it was the adaptations that they had to make in the 70, 80, 90 years that they lived. It's just amazing to me. You guys, Jack, where he's at? Where you at, Jack? <laughs> hey, Jack. And Many of them, and many of them, like my grandfather, only had a fifth grade education. Mm -hmm. My grandmother graduated from high school, but when you graduated from high school, then you had an eighth grade education. And you didn't even think about college unless you were wealthy. So it's been, it's interesting times these last 100, 150 years. Oh yeah, so uh, well, just think of it. Look at it this way: what you what we just you just mentioned there talked about where we came from at the turn of the twentieth century, and look at the difference at the turn of the twenty first century, just a mere one hundred years later. And now, instead of the Iron Age and the you know the the uh, industrial, industrial age. age, I mean, and the building of empires, you might say, like the steel industry, the auto industry, and so on. Now, all of those have basically come together in one way or another, and we are now in the technology age, and this age could go on for quite some time, quite a few generations. Actually. Because of how fast it's moving and the directions that it's moving in. And if you're... uh reader of science fiction when you think about where we could be going as science fiction more and more becomes science fact it's kind of scary to think (laughs) 
I mean, on the one hand, it's amazing to think about, but on the other hand, when they're uh, talking about um, use, you know, cloning your own cells in order, you know, cloning your healthy cells in order to cure your own diseases, or to go in and uh, fiddle with your genetic code in no, order no, to don't get go rid there of now. Don't go there. You're going way past after dark now. No, I, actually, I'm not. If you watch some of these television commercials, they're doing it now. I mean, our after dark. Uh, <laughs> I, I believe I see somebody on the switchboard. You think? Mm-hmm. I think we'll bring them on and see who we got. Welcome to Oro Expeditions After Dark. Area code 480. That's it. Hello? Hey, Jack. Hello? Hey, I hear you, Jack. Hey, yeah. How you doing? There you are, hey, buddy. Hey, all right. I guess I guess right. that's how you get in here. I'm here too. Hey, hey Lisa. Lisa. Get to see. Here you. It's. Uh, how are you guys? Yeah, it's, we are doing very well, thank you. How are you guys? Wetting our asses off. I right. bet. That's what I hear. Well, I, I try to send you some of this 58-degree weather we have in the mornings, but I'm not sure it'd make it that far. Well, you didn't drop off today, so we didn't get it. <laughs> I, somebody must have took it on out to the Nevada or something. But anyhow, hey, we're glad we all made it in. And uh, the chat room is open if you uh, are able to get in. I know you were trying to get, a, I think, a listener account. Uh, that's the reason for that is so that, uh, people can right now we're uh, just rebuilding our audience after being gone for three years so the chat room is really quiet but uh, as soon as we get a few people in there it seems like it just expands out of nowhere well, right. yeah I, I was trying to log in uh, it's new to me you know all this Greek uh, stuff I don't understand <laughs> And for oh, I forgot to tell you. I told Jack I, you would send Miss Paula's BTR 101. Uh, well, uh, five minutes after he calls is not the time to tell. <laughs> well, we can just we can do it live now. <laughs> but anyway, we have Jack and Lisa Turner on the line from sure. the great state of Arizona. Oh. And uh, Jack does some gold mining and. Uh, has a show on Mixler called Gold Fever Radio, and he was nice enough to call in this afternoon. He's going to tell us some stories. Oh, yeah, I can tell you some stories, all right, but uh, <laughs> we'd all be in jail by the end of the day. <laughs> well, let me run out and change that to an explicit show. and we'll <laughs> oh. No, it's all good. It's all about. Chasing the dream. That's what it's all about. That's it. You're right. And uh, the the showing other people how to do it. I'm, I know there's a big rush of people that are, uh, I'd say between now and 2020, or 2020, we're going to see uh, hundreds of thousands of new faces at these gold shows and so on. What do you think? I mean, it's possible, you know, it, it's a hobby like any other hobby, and, and more and more people get involved with it, and more and more of their friends that get involved with it, and, and then their friends, and, you know, hopefully it's something 
you know, it's not us that we're fighting each other. It's with all these bureaucrats uh, and all that type of crap that what we're fighting against that's, you know, making this hard for us. Right. Well, give us the, the nickel tour of Jack and Lisa Tucker so that uh, people know know who you are. Well, you know, you mentioned talked about uh, the helping and all of that, and years ago we, uh, well, it was kind of, I don't know if you want to hear that story, but we, we opened up a prospecting store in Wickenburg, and we ran it for about six years, and, and then with all the environmentalists and the rules coming out and dredging, no dredging in different states, and, and then we went up to Stanton, the caretake up there in Stanton, so when somebody walks in the store and says they want to buy a mining store, oh, perfect, we got one for you for sale. Now, so, is, that the, is that the store that's down in the corner close to the Hacienda down there, right in yeah, the middle of town? Yeah, he moved, yeah, he moved it down the other end of town, and after he bought it, he moved it to the other. He ran it for about five or six years, and then he closed it down, so it's gone now. But right. When we were, well, when you we probably were there, are... Uh, you're probably familiar with Bernie Mikowski. Uh, you know Bernie? No. Sound He's the guy who invented the gold. He invented the gold well, the sluice with the vortex. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're talking, oh, Marty? Marty, and well, his name Bernie. Okay, Marty I know was helping him for a while, but, yeah, I know who you're talking yeah. about, yeah. Okay, well, with that's who we were there with in late 14 uh, out on – uh, out close to the vulture on the hard rock, working the hard rock. Right. So, Marty small world. <laughs> Marty used to caretake out there at the vulture. Right. Yeah, we met Marty and uh, uh, actually met a, a, a whole group of people that were associated with Bernie and uh, the, the deal that they had worked out out there where we were at. We lived out there basically on the mine, on the vein that we were working for a little over two months, and uh, had, you know, got go ahead. I think I, just, I think they had a Norman out there too, a vulture working. Yeah, yeah, and it was so, uh, it was it was hard work, but it was a lot of fun and a lot of learning too. Something that uh, we could easily work into something real big, real quick. Yeah. No, there's still a lot of gold out there, but, you know, so we, we just ran this door, and then we started our own prospecting club, and and the name's changed over the years, but we still got it, and that's what we've always kind of believed in. It's helping others, helping others get involved with prospecting, teaching people, and that's what, you know, kind of with our own club, having the get-togethers and meetings and stuff like that, and that's what it's all about. It's that camaraderie. It's not that gold at the end of the day, it's those friendships and those campfires that you sit around and the stories and the laughters and the memories, that's what it's really all about. My favorite part. Absolutely. Now, how many years have you been, have you and Lisa been doing this, Jack? Uh, well, I got involved prospecting probably towards the mid-90s and that's when I met Lisa, and so I kind of got her involved with it. But she's from New York, you know, one of them Jersey girls. They never even heard of what <laughs> what uh, camp. There's no such thing. <laughs> well, no, camp, camping means you don't have room service. <laughs> that is exactly correct. So uh, she's been on a flight for herself. Well, what 
the the reason I asked that question was to ask this question: is what is the oddest thing that you have seen or has or has happened to you out while you were gold mining? What I have seen? Yeah. Yeah. A good weird like, story. A good. Uh... Oh, to tell a we story. Like, we like yeah, we got stories. we got lots of weird stories that happened to us while we were mining for gold. We just figured you did too. Oh, okay. Well, I tell you a story about fever. Is a truly an addiction, and you know, with Lisa, I got involved. When I got involved with gold, gold, I caught that gold fever, and I mean, I almost lost the house, the marriage, kids, everything with that because I took off and I was gone for months at a time. All I cared about was gold. I didn't care about anything else. So, I mean, I've come a long way, but there was one time I joined this club, and I had a dry washer living in Arizona. You know, it was 120 degrees in July, and I go up to this claim, and I drive my truck down into this big ravine, this wash area, and I set my dry washer up down there, and and all I kept thinking about, I'm going to die out here. I'm the only one out here. You know, this is insane. Why the hell am I doing this for? So I'm picking in this bank dying, wiping sweat off of me, and I did a fast run, and I crawled back in the truck, and I had a cooler there, and I put ice on me, and the air conditioner going, and I said, I just got to go pan this out real quick, and I got to get out of here. So I go back to the truck, trace and pan it out. So much gold in there, I went back down in that hole and started digging again, you know, it's a, but it didn't matter that, you know, the heat, it's that gold. Yeah, the, when you have the fever, the sun doesn't matter much, does it? Uh, no. You forget about a lot of that other stuff. <laughs> That's why it's also good to make sure there's at least two people because uh, I got the same problem uh, getting down, you know, getting working uh, in the dry stuff. Or we were when we were up there at Blue Bucket and on the side of the mountain up there, we had a, quite a few warm days there, and. Um, I I had to remind myself the elevation and the temperature and the fact that, yes, dry heat really is, there really is something to dry heat, too, not just wet heat. (laughs) Yeah, that that was warm that day over there in uh, Oregon, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So uh, what what do you all have uh, planned for the rest of the summer? I know you guys have a a couple of products that you have that you, uh, I think, we're talking about, and I I definitely want one of those uh, purple gold grabbers. Yeah, you know, sure. I just saw one of them yesterday sitting there, and I said, oh, I better set that aside. But, <laughs> no, Kevin Holtman just did the write-up. That came out in the GPA magazine a couple of days ago on the... Uh, July-August issue. July-August issue. The, uh, he did a write-up of full testing of the mini gold grabbers. Uh, so, you know, we do them right now, and, and then, of course, uh, we started our own expeditions with uh so we kind of dredge camp in august we'll be in colorado uh in a month we're leaving in a month for there we'll be up there about three weeks and then we'll come back and we're talking about a metal detecting hunt in october november and then we got our extravaganza new year's we put on a big party and thing at the compound here that's at the end of the year so we're just trying to survive the rest of this year there you go. Well, we're just trying to get started here. We have uh, been had a slow start due to some personal things going on, but um, 
I know it sounds like we're going to be able to catch up with you guys in the Colorado dredging camp for sure. And um, then we're headed to Arizona by way of Oregon. I think you can get there from there. <laughs> uh, Colorado, yeah. Well, Colorado is, uh, well, yeah. No, definitely, you need to come out to Colorado and do some dredging. And then from Colorado, you can go into Oregon. You take off, I think Oregon would be north. So you go up through Idaho, more than likely, and up that way, and then into Oregon, and then you could cut back down into, you know, through Arizona or Utah or back into Arizona. How do you ever how do you make that trip? Yeah, uh, we're gonna we're gonna hit them all this year because uh, it turns out that World Expeditions is uh, eighteen is going to be retiring the tent of World Expedition seventeen, and we'll just leave that part right there for now. Yeah, okay. if I don't ever have to sleep in another tent, that I'll. <laughs> yeah, so I've I've did many of those in uh, in tents, and let's like say there's, you know, I've spent so many days and nights and months at a time out there in in deserts and and freezing cold and snow and you know surviving and just chasing that gold and and doing that, you know, from I've been all over the country. Many states I haven't been, but I've been to almost every western state, uh, and then along the eastern coast, you know, from Michigan all the way down to Georgia, and uh, about everywhere I could go, there's any gold. I've been looking for gold. Well, how much? Uh, just a ballpark. What do you figure you found over the years altogether? Oh God, you know, I couldn't even put a thing on it. I, not e- I couldn't even come close. Uh, I used to keep all my gold, and then, you know, I would pull it out and show people, oh, look at all my gold, and I'd go back in the safe, and eventually I thought, you know, that's so stupid. Uh, so I just took pictures of it all and got rid of it, just got more equipment. That's it. <laughs> that's the way we do it. We we seem to find things to cash our gold in for so we can go get more gold. That's That's the way we work it, too. Yeah, I'm always buy, sell, and trading gold. So uh, constantly, whether I find if I need some gold, Lisa says, "Hey, we got to make some dirt bags." I said, "All right, I'll go to the bank and get some gold." So I head off <laughs> out to the desert. No, so that's where I keep all my gold is in the bank. <laughs> you know, it might be in that creek bank or that bank or that bank over there, but it's always there when I need it. Well, there sure. You go. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your gold show that you have on Mixler. Well, we, we we kind of wanted to reach out to the community and talk about prospecting because that's what it's all about. You know, we have so many friends and people we talk to. You know, and just people about, that we met along the way. Oh, yeah, all of our journeys, you know, working with the GPAA and LDMA. and You know, we've been to all of the camps several times. Uh, we've just met so many people across the country and, and, you know, through Facebook and all that. So it kind of gave us another avenue to be able to reach out to people and share something and, and talk to people and some of their experiences and, you know, just kind of share that as a group. And and then at the same time, it's an avenue for us to promote our own stuff. And so it just, you know, kind of fell into place, and it was a perfect, you know, thing to do, perfect avenue. We are every Wednesday night at 5 o'clock Pacific time. And um, mm-hmm. we 
we have different guests on, and yeah, we we enjoy it. Now, now is that yeah, you guys uh, the were website? on what? Was it last or the week before? Last week. Last week. Last week. Last week. Yeah. You guys were a guest. All that stuff's in archives, so people can go to the website, download to listen to those past shows. Well, that's the best part about internet radio is uh, archives turn into what people call podcast. So um, we've always enjoyed the live side of things. And I know you two are able to do some fantastic interviews. And uh, I really like the way you guys do them where you pre-record some of your stuff so that you can get some really good, precise interviews. I like that style. So, uh, yeah, people definitely want to jump over to uh, what's what's the web address for the show again, Jack? Well, well, they just go to the website of goldfeverradio.com. There you go. And yeah. down there, that's where, you know, they can click on any archive date, or they can also click on if they want to download the Mixler app, or there's a tab there that they can just click on to listen live on, on that Wednesday right. for the show also. And uh, we'll also be including that link uh, whenever you guys post it for your show we we like to uh, put it over on oral expeditions on facebook also and twitter so be a easy place for people to find it there now do you have a yep. website for your your other stuff like your uh, gold grabber and stuff like that yeah that's at goldgrabberhighbankers.com or you can find uh, jack on facebook well, i'm by, i'm glad you brought up high gold grabber again you said something about mini gold grabber is there two different sizes yeah, there's a large, uh, and then there's a small one. Oh, the small okay. mini. The small one's what they call the mini. Okay. Yeah, I kind of knew the answer to that, but I wanted to get that out there for uh, <laughs> the listeners. Most of our listeners are happening in the archives at this point. Like I said earlier, we're uh, putting together an audience uh, once again, and we're looking forward to hitting the road here in the next week or two and taking this whole mess with us. So... It's going to be a blast. Yeah, no, we got be in Colorado because we'll be talking live to everybody there on Gretchen, you know, and airing all of that. So that's what the show will be when we're in I'm, Colorado. I imagine we'll be able to get a simulcast there while we're sitting around the campfire talking, swapping oh, all those gold dred, dredging stories. Absolutely. We'll have a blast. It's going to be fun. Well, Jack, can you guys, uh, if you guys have time to hang out with us just a little bit, we're going to take a quick break here and uh, let everybody that uh, is listening, more than likely be listening in archive. We'll, uh, I got a quick song I want to dedicate to you two just because you're here. It's something that we had on our switchboard. We had this on our switchboard for years and played it on the uh, Oro Expedition show. So there were some weeks we were doing a couple of shows a week. So this one was one of my favorite, and I want to bring it back right now. And we're going to be right back after this. If you guys are still hanging out, that'd be great. We're going to be on for another full hour until 11 p.m. Eastern. So uh, everybody hang out, take a break, get your favorite beverage warmed up or cooled off, whatever, and we'll be right back.
Thus calls from life's pleasures and count its many tears. When we all saw sorrow in the pool, there's a song that forever will linger in our ears. Oh, hard times come again no more. To the songs I And this is Oro Expeditions After Dark on KDCL Media, the pride of Internet Radio for Deep Creek Lake, Garrett County, Maryland, and the world. I'm your host, Paula Cass. I have OroCast sitting across the room. And on the switchboard, we have Jack and Lisa Tucker. And they're still here. And I'm here. <laughs> I think I'm here. I, I was looking across the room, and I, I'm sure Lisa has experienced this with Jack. Or <laughs> You look across the room, and your co-host has this blank look on his face like, I'm supposed to do what? <laughs> yes. I, she caught me checking the volume on my headset. That's what it was. <laughs> Always a good excuse. Always. But that was um, a little medley brought 
to us by just uh, actually we don't even have an artist on that, do we? Yes, it's called we do. the California Gold Rush Medley by the Black Irish Sonora Band. That's right. Or Sonora Black Irish Band. Yeah. From Columbia, California. A uh, place where I'm very familiar with from 2013, uh, Oil Expeditions 13 ended up in the Columbia Sonora area from about the first or the about the second week of October through the last or second week of January when we got snowed out of the mountains, <laughs> and that ended up being the end of uh, a really cool 13 months on the Gold Trail. That was my first. Uh, introduction to it after retiring from 30 years of driving truck. Yeah, well, I I uh, understood exactly what Jack was talking about when he said he was away from home and away from the kids and, and the wife, and because you did the same thing in 13, you left in April, and I didn't see you again till February of the next year. Well, that ain't true. I come home for your birthday. Oh, that's right. You came home for my birthday. <laughs> It was a whole seven days for her during her birthday I made it back and then uh I hit the trail again. It was really good expedition down through the Tennessee and the Carolinas and then to Georgia. Ended up over in Alabama doing some uh big river dredging. And uh the uh second half of the expedition after coming home for her birthday I'm not sure what happened. We were supposed to be in Coker Creek area dredging for the very first date where they set it in September through February for dredging and we were there about two weeks and all of a sudden somebody handed me some money and said take your expedition and go to Oregon and get us some real gold so that's what I did <laughs> well, well at least you made a home for a day yeah <laughs> <laughs> It, it was in July, though, so it was a little inconvenient for him, but he m- made the extra turn anyway. <laughs> right. Well, Lisa, well it was actually... I was just going to say, one year I told Lisa I was going to take her out for her birthday. And she said, where are you going? I said, we'll go up to the Hilton and spend a weekend up there. And she said, okay, that sounds like cool. Well, I didn't mean the Hill 10. I meant the Hills, the Hills. Well, we went, <laughs> we went up to the mountains and... She didn't like spending her birthday up there while I dry washed all weekend. <laughs> well, yeah, she's expecting spas and room service, and, and instead yeah. you gave her dirt and rocks. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of the equivalent of, like, getting a toaster on Christmas. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, but Lisa got a dress one year for her birthday. She's gotten high bankers. She's gotten... Loose boxes. She gets all types of cool stuff for her birthday. I don't know. I have all the high backers I would want. Great. Every color. And you know, she doesn't want them, so I end up having to take them, but you know, she gets them. I was, That was what my next question was. Did you enjoy using all of her gifts? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What a guy. <laughs> but you made the comment that you had been to, to all the camps on both coasts, and do you have a favorite, or uh, or do they all have their own little something, je ne sais quoi, have, that you like? They do. Every one of them, you know, Michigan has a little big grassy knoll you drop down to. It's peaceful, quiet, no hookups, no gold. But it's right in the middle of town. Yeah, right in the middle of town. Uh, North Carolina is a cool place. The rivers, you know, all of that. 
So you get the water kind of back there. Ibar is an excellent place. Uh, I hate that road going down into Ibar, but Ibar is a cool camp. But as far as all the camps, the, the you know, Stanton is good, Oregon's good. I I, I like, kind of like Duesenberg, you know, and that's what we hear a lot of people say. They really kind of like Duesenberg. Duesenberg is very yeah. peaceful. I'm looking forward to Duesenberg from the way people talk about it, just because of that. Well, we have a different experience from that area. We did a, a lot of trucking from across to Hatchapi. So when somebody <laughs> said Duesenberg, and I said, okay, let's look up Duesenberg, and I went, what in heaven's creation could be uh, to on north to Hatchapi? <laughs> <laughs> because I'm used to going across to Hatchapi in a big truck pulling carrots. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when they say, what's the, you know, Duesenberg, yeah, it's, uh, it's I don't know, the rumors are, you know, there's a Duesenberg buried out there, and that's why it's got its name like that, but uh, it's just a wide open campground, you know, like 100-something acres, and it's just wide open, and it sits up against, you know, the hillside right there, and so you just go up on the hill and I know they bring a lot of fine gold out of there. I've been seeing a lot of people post pictures, and it looks like it's a lot of really nice flour and little, nice little flakes. Yes. Uh, you know, years and years I went out there, and all I ever got was little fine stuff. But a couple of years ago out there, we hit another gold rush. Like, and it just, I mean, we were out pulling pickers out, and, and it turned out now that hill's being kind of torn up, but, Duesenberg had produced some nice gold. I've never saw nothing big. You know, no big right. nuggets or something, but uh, it's got a lot of nice gold. You could, person spent some time up there could come away with some nice gold. Oh, yeah. And you t- you mentioned the Italian bar, I-bar. That's, uh, I was in the uh, camp just below there, the GPAA camp that you refer to as Stumble Down. Uh, that's where I pitched my tent until I got snowed out and a guy up on the mountain put me to work on claims, and he claimed to be a, a schoolmate of George's. Do you are you familiar with a guy by the name of Airport John? Uh, no. He was uh one of the old timers, I guess. That uh, him and George went up in the mountains right after George was there around the Italian bar. I guess it was the late sixties, and. Um, he got set up with a place up on the mountains and then decided to stay up there instead of coming back down to work, you know, do the yeah. help with the LDMA camp. So, and I had the pleasure of meeting him while I was there in 13 and he, he had some nice claims and some really big chunky gold that was coming out of some of the, uh, streams farther up, uh, back in the woods behind Italian bar. Yeah, they do have some mines up there that, uh, you know, used to see Tom years ago. He used to go up in there and play in the mines up above Italian Bar up in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's beautiful country up there. I, I loved the whole two and a half, three months I was there. I guess it was more like three and a half months. But um, it was uh, the people that live up there are clannish. But if you're welcomed by one of them, then, you know, the whole group, takes you in and it's really uh i always since 19 since uh 2013 i've been known to say a lot that the gold mining community reminds me a lot of the old trucking community of the 80s and early 90s but you know it was a lot alike yeah it's, 
that's nice. I've got some really nice girls. I dredged there, uh, you know, back where we could dredge at, and, and that's where I really got my first experience of dredging. And to me, you know, to just go underwater like that, you could go down, I don't know what it was, 10, 15 feet down maybe, and just, you know, for an hour at a time, and it was just, you know, that was awesome. And I really enjoyed that camp, you know, way back in those days. It's kind of changed a lot where you can't do nothing nowadays, but they got they have another claim there that's just up the road from my bar where the members go out to. they got to kind of hike down into it, and, and it's more just dry washing or hauling dirt back. But there, there's some really super nice gold up there. Oh, yeah. Now, you mentioned uh, the fact of how nice it was before 2009 when the moratorium hit California and, and dredging came to a halt. And it's funny because you brought that up because – I was sitting here looking up some stuff that I was had on uh, in my queue here for to use on the show in case it was just Miss Paul and I talking. And uh, one of the stories I pulled up was the one from the Prospecting and Mining Journal, California to allow suction dredging in 2019? Question mark. And it's from a guy at uh, that writes about Mr. Poe over at the AMRA and so on and. It's written by Scott Harn just this uh, month, June of 18, just the past month. Now, have you heard anything about the details on that, or are you uh, too far from well, California to keep up with that? Well, no, Scott, Scott Harn is the, uh, he's one of the writers for the uh, uh, the mining journal there. And right. supposedly, yeah, with, uh, that's AMRA has been working with, you know, all of these organizations and all of that. But supposedly in the spring of next year, dredging is coming back to California. That's the big, you know, hee-haw. But my feelings and a couple others are we'll believe it when we see it because you don't know what any other big organization might put an injunction at the end or who knows. You know, if it happens, it happens, and that will be great and wonderful. And, you know, mm-hmm. California needs it. The rivers need it. The communities need it uh so hopefully it'll happen well you talk about you know the uh the rumor mill on facebook and all the different social media places went crazy when the word came out you know about permits being they're going to have permits that were two thousand dollars and so on but this story just basically says it's going to be around two hundred dollars something like that but if you think of the number of people that are ready to take their dredge and get in the water in the state of california right now and take that times 200 yeah california stands to make a nice little chunk of change right off the bat not not to mention the people to come in the future and then california probably needs all of that revenue right now (laughs) yeah they do they really do it's uh it's sad what's going on in the big cities in california it's uh Really, uh, I, I used to truck out there. I, I used to really like going to California because we did, as Miss Paula said, we used to haul a lot of produce, uh, seafood, and different things. It was uh, San Francisco and you know the Oakland area and all of that. The historic areas were were always so clean and everything. And it's just sad the way they've gone. And uh, since we've uh, made the turn here into the 21st century. Yeah. yeah, it's uh it's uh 
it, it's it's sad. It it really is. It used to be. There's a lot of places we used to really enjoy trucking, and and now you couldn't pay me money to go back there. <laughs> We we got a story about being back there. I thought, thought that's why I pointed that to maybe you'd share your Oakland Walmart story. Oh well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sitting in the parking lot at Walmart about midnight, just trying to catch a few hours sleep till we could make a delivery. And there's a high speed chase and gunshots, and it was like the OK Corral. <laughs> the, the, the lot the security guard come over and. He told us, he said, I don't have a gun, but I'll be right here in case you need me. <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm not sure how that's going to help, but he he was too. He made uh, laps back and forth while we we were pulling a small utility trailer, 12-foot trailer, hauling uh, specialty motorcycles around the country for people and uh, in between gold mining. That's what we used to get from one place to another to gold mine. And it worked out pretty good most of the time, except when we ended up in places like that had to be right up the road where it was a really nice place, but it was a gated community. So no way to get in. (laughs) But we've heard a lot about Jack's adventures. So now I think it's time to hear some of Lisa's point of view on her or Jack's adventures. Well, a lot of of Jack's adventures, Lisa wasn't at. So I can't give you any point of view there. But uh, my my basic deal was always just going out either I would go out with him when he went prospecting and I'd take a book and I'd sit in the sun. And that's what I do. It was only recently where I started to show him some dirt. And there's actually pictures of that. And... Uh, <laughs> People laugh and say, what, you're shoveling dirt? Yeah, well, maybe in my old age I decided I was. That's, that's the way you're getting some exercise anyway. That's right. Well, now, you guys just look for gold when you're out digging, or do you also look for what we refer to as PLRs or pretty little rocks? Uh, I'm not a big, you know, I pick up a lot of rocks, but I'm not a big rock hounder. You know, I kind of a lot of times will look for the rocks uh, for the association of gold. And right. when I find all of that, then I kind of think, oh, yeah, there's probably gold around here. And then if I see some of the other stuff, I maybe mark it on GPS or take a bucket home. And that's why sometimes I have 70 buckets in my yard and I haven't a clue where they all came from. <laughs> well, it sounds like that uh, you could – now, when we go through Arkansas, they have tables and tables of – Quartz crystals and all kinds of rocks set up in their yards. When you go up like, to northwestern Nevada, you got a whole desert full of a black obsidian. We kind of like, and, and it's up. it's like a yard sale for rock hounds. So you could just put them all out there on tables. Yeah, yeah. yeah believe I, it or I, not, Jack, there are certain people here out out there running around that will buy a rock. It doesn't even have to be a pretty rock. So <laughs> that's one reason I can't wait to get to Arizona. <laughs> Yeah, no, people buy anything uh, without, without a doubt. If, if you can market something the right way, you know, people will buy it. But, no, I, I just, I mean, there's a lot of times and then I need my buckets. I will literally, like right now, I've probably got 30 buckets full of dirt. I couldn't tell you where they came from. But when I need some gold, I'll just throw something up and just slam them all through there and run them all and get my buckets back and get the gold, and then they start collecting again. 
That's the way we were. We actually hid a discovery bucket from ourselves. The uh, claims that we have it uh, just outside of Bumblebee up there towards Cleeter, I was telling you about. The um, the day we did a discovery was the last day we were spending in Arizona before headed north. And we had a bucket, five-gallon bucket, but it only had about a third of a bucket worth of dirt in it that Paula had spent, I don't know, a good two hours digging and scratching and sweeping and I was uh, crevicing. <laughs> crevicing in this wash that was in our claim that we had just claimed up. So we put the bucket in the trailer. We got a new haul to do that took us up to Washington state, Spokane, a matter of fact, and we got busy with that and we forgot about the bucket with the gold in it from, or what we was hoping was gold from Arizona, from the discovery. So we get up to, uh, I got to tell on myself because I got angry one day, a little bit later than a few days after that, we were in a little place uh, just north of Riggins, Idaho, on the Little Salmon where it comes up pretty close to running into the Snake River at a uh, boat ramp. And I was digging around in the trailer and my battery was dead. My deep cell battery was dead, so I wasn't able to run the stuff that it would normally run and so i got to tossing stuff around in the trailer and a pile of stuff fell over and here's such this bucket well i immediately recognized it snatched it up hollered at paula told her what it was run down to the river and it turns out that i'll just say we could have bought quite a bit of gas with the discovery gold that was in that bucket it was in there for a good three weeks before we got to find it at least. That's what happens yeah. whenever you travel with a former bed bugger that likes to pack high and tight. <laughs> yeah, but it's, yeah. All, it's all that. Yeah, I totally understand. My my first my first 13 months or so in a big truck back in 1983 was working for North American Bandlines. That's what she's referring to. <laughs> oh, yeah, whenever you whenever you travel with Oro, there isn't any place in the trailer that that, that has just a skosh of room to stick one more thing. <laughs> well, I, I remember seeing your camp up there in Oregon, and uh, that was a pretty full camp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for that little flatbed trailer, that's what I said too. How in the hell we get all that on there? <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, and I've talked about that with people. People talked about, you know, we were there when on an awesome time in history. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In Oregon. That it, don't, was get, it don't get any more awesome than that, actually, except for when it's going to happen again. But it'll never happen again right there where we were, I don't think, ever again. That's what's no, cool I'll about never- I'll never see another one probably in my lifetime. You know, that was to to be right there and experience that right when that thing came over and, and just that honest to me, that was probably one of the seven most wonders of the world for me. You know, I thought that was totally awesome. It really was. Well, now, now don't, be, don't be talking so bad about yourself now because I think the next one comes in somewhere around Alabama and goes out across Maine. Is it either 25 or 26, I think? So it's not that far away. Well, yeah, we can actually well, see I, another one. I probably won't. 
<laughs> well, you never know. You're going to be I like me. We're going to be out there 20. Up, you know, in all the years, that was the first one I ever saw. You know, you hear about it on TV, and it's like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, there's a star in the sky. Everybody's freaking out. But, you know, but to be there and to experience that, wow. Yeah, awesome. that was uh, the part where we got to take our glasses off and actually look at the 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 actual clips and where we were. We got to experience it. If I remember right, it was two minutes and thirty six seconds, I believe. Something like that. Oh, I didn't before it that. actually started to turn. Were we supposed to wear glasses? No wonder my eyes hurt. I was going to say you, you had yours on the dog, didn't you? <laughs> On, on, on Tony, <laughs> yeah. No, I was make, I was taking pictures and droning and stuff. You know? <laughs> I was I was using my cla- my my glasses on my camera, trying to see what it looked like that way. So, yeah. And then I'm sitting there, you trying to do a video while it was the black, you know, circle with the white ring around it, with the pink. They said it was like pink and purple in the white ring. I can't get it to come in. And right when it went to turn, somebody said, okay, it's turning. And at the exact same time, somebody said, hey, if you got your video on auto, man, it won't focus. You got to do manual focus. And the moment that I was able to hit manual focus, it was going back the other direction. Yeah, I just put my camera on whatever, and I just took like a million pictures. Just click, 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 click. And then I turned to where I, you know, went through them all, and the ones that turned out, I kept all the other ones, I discarded. But I got some pretty cool shots. But, yeah, I would say that was pretty awesome. You know, it wasn't – and, again, that just falls back to that same thing to have, what was there, 50, 60, 70, 80 people sitting out on the lawn staring up at the sun, you know, all yeah. together. And, and, yeah, we're all there for a gold outing, but yet that camaraderie brought us all together watching an eclipse, you know, and, and that's what people well, were talking about the day in that. Right. And it, there was people from all over the world that knew exactly where that camp was that day because we actually had to have the National Guard stand post at the gate to keep people off of the gold claim and off of the private property while the eclipse was going on. They were they were coming trying to, you know, thinking, oh, it's an open field. We can just walk over there off the interstate. But it didn't work out that way. So no. but the, at the moment it was going on, I got vid- uh, pictures of the interstate where it was lined up on both shoulders. The cars stopped and everything. It was incredible. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could hear, like, traffic. You hear traffic all day long going up and down there. But for that, like, five minutes or ten minutes on that interstate, I mean, it was everything was Definitely quiet. I mean, yeah, that's what I say. That was such an awe moment. Yeah, well. Well, when it got dark, that's something that I had done some reading on. Like uh, the moment that it starts getting dark, where the sun starts falling behind, the moon starts covering it up. From the point it starts up to right before it goes into full eclipse, it does that graying out effect, like it was the sun going down in the evening, and the birds quit singing. The uh, there were crickets in camp over by the tent that were started to chirp, like it was getting dark. And I didn't believe all that stuff when I was reading. It was like, nah, it can't be that drastic. But sure enough, we were sitting there in our chairs, and right behind us, the crickets were chirping in camp while it was going on. It was incredible. Yeah, 
It was. That, it, that really was one of them all moments that's in my, uh, yeah, part of, glad to be a part of it. And, <laughs> but it's, uh, and it was, and I got to meet a whole bunch of new people and make a bunch of new friends and laughed a lot and that's that's one thing I really enjoy about the outings. You know, people get excited about, oh, we're going to go, you know, have this big dig and we're going to find all this gold because we're going to move all this material and yada yada yada. But that's not what it's about. It's it's about the people. Mm-hmm. Well, right. we were kind of eased into the whole thing because just before we left to go out there, we spent a week in Vane Mountain Vane doing Mountain. a little bit of dredging, and that was our first experience with Lost Dutchman. But I remember, I still remember all the way back to 13 and being invited up to Italian Bar for the, my, you know, three days that they give each GPAA member, one per year, I think it was back then. I think they still do that, um, where you can go and be on one of the Lost Dutchman camps for, I think, 72-hour camp or whatever it was. And from that point on, I knew I wanted to be a part of Lost Dutchman Mining Association and help represent the group that George invented, as I like to say. <laughs> right, yeah. But uh, no, I don't have those on there. <laughs> okay. But uh, yeah, Vane Mountain, the, the caretakers there were great, and we had a great time while we were there, and it was real laid back and relaxed. And this was before all the flooding and all the fun that they've had this summer with the the heavy rains that we've had. But uh, it it was a great. We spent like a week there, and it was uh, it was nice and peaceful. And just even though you weren't, but five or six miles from town, mm. and you know you could just enjoy nature. Well, we had some experience there before that. Uh, back in 2012, I guess it was when we were at uh, just Thermal right down, Mountain, the, yeah. right down the creek at Thermal Mountain, Thermal City, not Thermal, Thermal Mountain. Yeah, Thermal. <laughs> be all right. Thermal City. So uh, that was back when the people that owned it before the new owners got it, and I found that place actually by driving around with the tractor trailer right before I stopped driving, looking for someplace in western North Carolina where I could park a truck and find some gold. And I'm driving down this road, and I look up, and here's this sign that says, Thermal City Gold Mine, Gold gold Camp, or whatever it was. It's a, I'm like, I think I found the right. And I go to pull in, and that driveway where you go in is like pretty steep down into the bot, river bottom. Luckily, there's a big enough field at the bottom of it to turn a 53-foot tra- trailer around. But I just drove down in like I owned a place, and the guy come walking up. He said, I, I believe that'll fit right there. Just park it right there if you're going to hang around for a while. That was my first experience with them, and then we went back that Labor Day and spent three or four days there then. Yeah. Did, uh, did you guys ever at Bay Mountain meet uh, John and Abby, the caretaker um, there? No, it was uh, Vonda and Brian. Yeah, Vonda and Brian, they just took it over. Yeah, they were there before they were. Uh, But John, he's a big uh, 
Dredger, and he's supposed to be up there in Dredge Camp, both of them, to kind of help out and, you know, talk about dredging and help a lot of people with the dredging there in Colorado. That'd be great. And we're I'm really looking forward to that because uh, it's been a while since I've been in the water, and uh, it's time to get the wetsuit wet again. Yeah, me, I, I tried to get in my wetsuit the other day. It ain't happening. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't quite work out for you. Oh, you're still high bitter, by the way, on that thing, too, yeah. Cool. But somebody cool. else has their eye on it, so they're taking it away, but they said, but they're they're waiting till the end, you know. They don't want to get into a bidding war. So. <laughs> well, if they're worried about me bid war, you can let them know they can have it. So, uh, yeah, um, they've, they've already been told that, so, but they always say, you know, like the old saying, if I bid, somebody else will just bid, and it'll just keep going up. So I'll just go ahead and <laughs> wait till the end. And Yeah. That just takes all the fun out of an auction now, I'll tell you. <laughs> well, it was just, yeah, we just threw that on there to try to entice people and try to, you know. Well, with it getting but, harder and harder to find places to go dredging, I, I would think these drudgers would jump all over the chance to, to be able to get their feet wet. Uh, well, you know, a lot of them are, and but it's uh, yeah, I mean it's it's pretty good. I don't know what we got on the on the first week. We got at least we'll know about all that stuff. But what do we got on there? Six the first week and like thirteen the second week. So uh, that's a nice little turnout. Oh yeah. Well, that's yeah, that's good. That's just an, a, a nice group. You know, if you have some beginners that, you know, they won't get lost in the group. Yeah, some of these people have never, you know, dredged before. Other people, they're dredgers, but they just want to be able to go and have the camaraderie and and the food. I mean, the food that we serve on these things is uh, spectacular. Yeah, that, uh, that's, that's what. These, these are gourmet the dinners almost, you know. What are you What are you talking about here now? You, you had my mouth watering when y'all were talking about it on your show, so you got to get it watering again here. What What's a little bit? Well, give like, us some samples off the menu. Well, like we were talking about, you know, you make little miniature chicken pot pies. Uh, we make little uh, hamburger uh, beer, beer hamburger things. That's That's something you got to wait till you see how that works out, though. But I got a funny feeling. Nothing that Jack makes. I got a funny feeling nothing Jack makes that has to do with food is little. <laughs> well, no, these are just <laughs> they're cool interaction dinners, you know, kind of like your your hobo dinners, and you know, but it's just it's just not your everyday standard outing type food, you know. This is these right. are we'll have stuffed pork chops, you no know, steak, baked potatoes, oh, yeah. and yeah, just nice nice meals, lasagna. I just I just come for the food. <laughs> They're, they're, you know, like spouses. He's coming dredging, and he just paid for her to come for the meal. So that's they do that. (laughs) Jack, you realize we're going to have to make a rule that if there's a dredge engine running, we got to have them on the box, not standing over by the picnic table. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what's cool about this place? I mean, literally, you can pull your trailer in. And back right into the river and just push your dredge right out to the river. Okay. Yeah, I saw, I noticed the picture in some of the pictures you're posting. It looks 
real, like really easy access. That's going to be great. Yeah, that's just right there at the end of the town. It's dirt road, just good dirt road. The property owners live right there. You pass their house and just go right into the river, you know. So it, I, I, we're, we're already pretty well past. Keep saying every day, we can't wait to get out of here. We're so ready to get out of this heat. Oh, no I bet. Kidding. Yeah. How hot is it, by the way? I think it's about 120. <laughs> Believe it or not, we had 120 on the Klamath in in 15 when we were up there in August. Mid-July it was. Because of all the black bedrock along the river, uh, it was was in 110, 112, and we had one day that was actually 120. You say that for Arizona, it's not a big deal. You say that for Northern California, it's like, what? Yeah, actually... it's We're a big deal anywhere. And it is hot. Even with air conditioner yeah. on, we're still sitting here sweat pouring off us. Air conditioner, two fans. Yeah. Air conditioner, fans. It's just hot this time of year. Uh, I, I remember it well. Um, uh, I'm going to have to look forward to it, believe it or not. I'm going to have to give up this damp, humid stuff pretty soon. Oh. So. No, I agree with that. I mean, I remember one year we were back in, let's see, I was in, I think it was in Georgia and North Carolina. In Georgia, I think it was the main one, and this was in May, and I'm taking showers twice a day, and I'm telling these guys, I can't handle this. You know, the humidity, the humidity there is probably only like 45, 50%, and they're saying, you think this is bad? Wait until July and August. I won't be living here in July and August. Are you guys insane? <laughs> You'll melt. <laughs> yeah. Turn into a mushroom. That's what I feel like here where we're at. It's like I'm waiting to take root as a mushroom. Yeah, it's hot here, but we don't have that, you know, that humidity. Except in the monsoons, we might get up in the 20%, 30% humidity. and It kind of gets humid there for a little bit, a few hours a day or something. But, uh, but I, you know, I... I used to go hunting in Colorado every year in that 9,000, 10,000 altitude, and in August we're getting snowed on. And I, I can't deal with cold anymore, and I won't do it anymore. I'll put up with this heat any day before I get cold anymore. Now, I got I actually brought a little treat to Wickenburg when we were there. Um, we were, what was it, January? Yeah, it was in January. It snowed. January, and I've got pictures across the street from Bernie's of snow on the palm trees. It was like it snowed like six inches in a matter of a few hours one morning, and then it was melted, and it was eighty degrees by one noon. o'clock. <laughs> and the ground was dry again. But yeah, there for just a couple hours, it was snow on the ground in Wickenburg just for us. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it will snow. We, we'll probably never get snow where we're at, but Stanton. Four years, that will get snow. Sometimes it get a little dusting, you know, with nothing major. But about every three or four years, it gets that hard freeze where it'll get down to like about 25 degrees, 24 degrees. Right. And everything freezes yeah. and it's raining and cold and miserable. And uh, they're a little bit higher than what we are here. We're we're only about an hour away from Stanton, but they're uh, they're probably about. Seven, you know, 1,200 feet higher or 2,000 feet higher than we are. 
Yeah, you guys are down toward uh, about halfway to Quartzsite, aren't you? Yeah, we're right, kind of right between Stanton and Quartzsite. Yeah, my two favorite places in Arizona. That's that's good. We'll be you'll be easy to find when we get there, because that's right oh, where yeah, we'll we, be. We can take off up to Havasu, Parker, One Direction 45, Quartzsite 45, Stanton, Wickenburg 45. So we're right in a perfect location right here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you planned that, didn't you? Oh, but it worked out just perfectly. <laughs> we're going to we're gonna spend a couple of months out running around, well, maybe three or four months up to where it ends up being somewhere around the 1st of December. We're planning on spending from now till then running around gathering up gold and seeing how many different types of gemstones and so on we can find and uh, do like a pack rat and show up in Quartzsite sometime around Christmas time when the big flea markets are going on uh, through the new year. And uh, I've heard if you have five-gallon buckets of stuff that the vendors love it when people like us pull in and just get rid of stuff real quick. So we're going to go oh, hang out do. there and then go ahead. No, I was just going to say, yeah, they do. They always want to buy new rocks and stuff, but out here, the only thing I could point you to is crystals and Apache tears. Apache tears will work all day long. Yeah, those are those are pr- pretty. But uh, we'll take you up. I have to get uh, the two of us, the four of us, out running around together sometime in, on the gold trail and see if we can figure out a way to get up around uh, Flaming Gorge, up around the Utah-Wyoming border, where the fire opals hang out. That's where I'd like to go spend about a month in there, in that area. See how many yeah. fire opals we could find. So, but uh, what do you see for the future as far as gold and everything? The price, a lot of people have a guess that it's going to kind of hang out to where it's at. Others say it could go upwards of uh, 1500 up into, say, $2,000 an ounce. What do you think? Well, you know, they've been talking about you know, gold was supposed to reach $2,500 a year. And, uh, you know, gold is just one of those things. It's it's an unpredictable ally. I mean, if you think about it, you're dealing with a piece of metal that's worth all this money. And, for, and even like platinum, I mean, from what it was worth, and platinum dropped way down. And, and now gold, gold will always be valuable. Gold will never be worth zero. Uh, right. Will gold reach that high, you know, that high point? You know, I think once upon a time, the United States used to probably be number one in gold mining. But with all the restrictions and uh, and all the crap, other countries, I think the United States is now China and Russia and all these other, you know, places are flourishing. And they're becoming, you know, great nations now with producing gold and mining. So, a lot of gold keeps being dumped into the market from, like, China and Russia and all these other places. So it, it tends to keep that – I don't know if gold will ever get that high. I mean, it'll stay around where it's at. It'll hover. It'll drop. It'll go up a little bit. It'll hover. It'll drop. Unless something drastically happens where, like, let's say if they – everybody starts driving spaceships tomorrow – we're going to need all that gold for those circuit boards. Now gold will go up. But unless that happens, go. gold is going to be its, its normal, you know. 
Supply and demand, my friend, supply and demand. It's a matter of that and how much of it exists. And the good news for us and generations to come is the word is that about 10% of everything on the planet has been found at this point. And I think you're right. China is probably leading the world in gold production. Um, possibly Africa. I know they just opened a big mine in South Africa or South Central Africa. Well, they don't have the environmental controls in place that, right. that we have here in the United States. I mean, if you look at the, the air quality in China, everybody's running around wearing, you know, masks over their face and practically up to respirators uh, because you can, you know, hold the air in your hand. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right, Pete. You know, and this is what people don't understand. Everything. Everything, everything is either mined or grown, everything. Right, You know, from everything. computers to your vehicles to your cell phones to to your house to every, your, the roads you drive on, the cell towers, the, everything is mined. And if we can't mine, you know, in this country, we have to start importing all these minerals from other countries like China. So these minerals, the steel is now cheaper. But as we have to import... That country then flourishes because, you know, all the mineral exports and everything. So they start to grow as a nation, and us as a nation starts to die. And, and that's, well, that's what's true. happening. All these wackos, well, they can't see what they're doing to their own selves. And they're, they're actually hurting us, and they're helping other countries without even realizing it. Well, that's like people made fun of the president whenever he said that having to import steel was a matter of national security. And people don't understand what he's saying. Anything that we have to import that we need, like you were saying, the, the gold, the silver, anything like that, the, any of the metals that we use in the things that we manufacture, if the supply got cut off tomorrow, we're screwed. Well, they have to import it because it's cheaper to import than for us to mine it because of all these restrictions. And, and you know, I mean, if you figure somebody opens up a gold mine and, and now they've got to put up, they got to hire the employees, they got the security, they got all the testing, they got all the bonds and all and all the permits, and it's not feasible to mine anymore. It's cheaper to import it. That's what's right. that. We have well, so much. There's... There's a there's a uh, story just today about the uh, another new another old steel mill being brought back online uh, here in the Northeast, and I think that's a sign of things to come if we can keep on the path that the president's laid out here as far as you know bringing back some of the industrial age and bringing back these uh, all of, being able to mine and being able to supply the manufacturers and things with u.s made metals so uh it could be that we're moving into a, a time where the miners are back on top again and, and that would be i mean he's on track you know he's fighting a lot of oppositions and you know mm-hmm. with these oh, pennsylvania and the coal mines and the steel mills and all them mining stuff you know they're all cheering you know, you, you saw the thing years ago with Hillary when she was trying to shut all that stuff down, Obama. You know, they just want to close all that stuff down and have you totally dependent upon the government, where at least 
you know, so it's always been kind of said. I've always said, and you know, freak out. I mean, I'll get all kinds of hate mail or something. But you know, Democrats is like they're taking the country in the wrong direction. And every time a Republican gets in there, it's like a band-aid. It's a temporary fix on stuff. But then when they're gone, the country starts to go back downhill again. So right now with Trump, you know, he's being fought with people. They they don't like him because he he's not. He's not bought by any special interests. He's not paid for by any environmentalist. You know, he's doing his own thing, and he's actually doing good for the country, and people don't like it. Well, some say that he he could uh, stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and give away $100 bills for a year, and somebody would find something wrong with that, you know. So you're right. What I think is... If he's able to pull off some of these big things on his agenda, say North Korea disarmament, which I say is probably was his biggest, his toughest thing, um, he said he's going to increase the whole tax, uh, you know, decreasing taxes and the tax thing. He's going to do even more for that. Um, working within the country, the uh, you know the, the bridges and roads and so on. So I think if uh, you know, the EPA is the biggest problem as far as the mining, especially in this area. You talk about the coal. Well, you got to have coal to make what's known as coke. And coke is what makes the steel, the process for steel. So it all goes hand in hand. But the problem there, the coal that it takes to make good coke is the high, the anthracite, high sulfur coal, which there you go. The EPA is in the way and they've been put in the way over the years by these different politicians. Like you said, it flip-flops back and forth. I think it's President Trump's job to do what he has to do over the next six years, yes, I said six, to do what it takes so that in 2024 we have another Republican businessman just like... And, yeah, if, if we hopefully that will happen and, and they start screwing things up and uh, that, yeah... It'll be a big, big boost for our economy just to keep things going the way they are. Absolutely. And I think also, I think, I mean, I realize with business, it's all about the bottom line and and what your profits are. But I think business has to start using best practices instead of the way they did it before the Clean Air Act in the 60s and 70s, we're 90 miles south of Pittsburgh. So we remember what it was like. We used to get the acid rain from the steel mills in Pittsburgh, but because people did not want to update, spend the money to update their their steel mills that would filter out all the stuff going into the air. So I, I think if we would get a good combination of best business practices and a hands-off government, I think we could find a happy medium. Well, I think that mining today is probably done uh, more economically and more safer than at any time in history. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, that's, and that's true. I mean, you know, we we got to have mining. Absolutely, we have to have mining. And true, we do have to still you know, protect our environment, and but there's a trade-off. You know, when you mine, there is that trade-off. There is a danger factor. There is a pollution factor. Uh, those are the trade-offs 
you know, do you do that? So they get oil out in the middle of the ocean where it's not polluting anything. Well, then, oh, you got an oil spill, and oh, there you go. You know, it's like, because they're driving their cars around. They don't figure out where, where that gas is coming from, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and we've been on both sides of the coin there with our our shows in the past. We uh, we were on the air when the whole mountaintop removal uh, mining thing was just getting ramped up in southern West Virginia. Uh, Mr. Blankenship was in the process of becoming a federal criminal. And, um, you know, we were on the side of the EPA at that point because the – the large corporations were coming in with their heavy equipment and millions of t- pounds of explosives, removing the top of a, of a mountain and pushing it off on the side in order to get to a 15 or 16 foot seam of high price anthracite coal. Now what happened in the process was streams, towns, schools with children in them and so on was all covered up basically either with the what was left of the mountain or the residue what was even worse the toxic residues from all the explosion explosives that took place and it polluted the water tables it closed down whole towns and it threw rocks in people's houses (laughs) threw rock boulders through people's houses and so on and then the, the worst part was the after effect once these mines were established was the multiple millions and sometimes billion-gallon sludge ponds that were left behind and the byproducts of, you know, taking out that coal. So there again, it's a it's a two-sided coin. And we, like you said, Jack, we have to be able to take care of both sides of that coin. And, and I think if uh, people just, you know, they've got, you know, they got your environment or your uh, – your protection agency administration, that's their job, you know, to air quality. They do what they need to do. It's just that they got to get a handle on all these other restrictions and bonds and where it makes it, you know, where it takes it. In other words, let them do their job. And it's kind of the same way, you know, you hear people say people shouldn't go out or something like that. they got wildlife officials that they count the herds. They know how many deer is there. You know, they have to open it up for hunting to allow, yeah, people come in and kill them. But if they don't, they're going to die anyways. You know, they're going to die of starvation or they're going to die whatever. So let the people do their jobs. These agencies that they've been elected to do, they know what they're doing. And as far as everybody else getting involved and adding extra stuff onto it, it's just making the matters all worse. Well, it's the same thing with the timber industry. Right now they have this wildfire that's out of control burning from California into Oregon right up along Interstate 5. And the number one reason for these wildfires that they have in the West, especially in the West, is uh, poor timber management, poor forest management. Because the, you know, the what we call the nature, uh, Nazis. nature Nazis have been at it so long for the last eight years plus that now you have millions of acres of forest that have been eaten up by beetles or, you know, whatever, whatever the reason is, there's, uh, for every one live tree, there might be a dozen dead trees in this forest. Once it gets on fire, it has nothing to do, but become a moonscape because of the amount of fuel there. So it's, you know, it's a fine line that we have to walk in order to, say, okay, we have to take out this many trees, 
and this is what we can do with those trees. So, you know, that's the one thing I I know about it in the West. It's a good thing. When I was talking about the mountaintop removal mining, these people came in and they didn't even take time to process the, the timber, the the millions of uh, board feet of ancient hardwood timber that was part of the Appalachian system when they did this mountaintop removal. They just t- took dirt and trees and all and pushed them up in a pile and pushed them over the side into the low places. So, you know, that's the op- that's the ex- one extreme. And then government screwing it up on the other extreme, you know, on, on the western side with not allowing the right kind of forestry to take place and the right kind of harvesting of dead trees especially we were part of that we got stuck on the way to uh, a claim and just outside of uh sacramento up at uh what was that Forestville. Su- yeah we told that story last week on jack yeah, it was on the show. show. right and you know that was crazy that we weren't able to go gold mining because of a forest fire that was created by politics yeah, I mean, you know, you have always have the the crooked people or the people that don't want to follow the rules, and you know, you're going to have that and everything. But if people would just step back, you know, let let things just take their courses. Let these, you know, and I don't want to say government officials, but let them do their jobs. And you know, it's the same thing years and years ago here up around the Flagstaff area. They have what they call the San Francisco Peak, and they wanted to go in and thin out that forest. Well, everybody said, well, if you go in there, well, these are the people up there. You know, we're going to file lawsuits and all that. So they never did it because of all the lawsuits. Well, two years later, the whole place burned down. Then the following year, they had all the mudslides, and everybody's houses are, you know, wiped out. And they're saying, well, why don't you guys do your job? Well, hey, why don't you allow us to do our jobs and quit trying to sue us every time we do, you know? So, right. Yeah, it's crazy, and it's not just, you know, it's California is, happens a lot, but it also happens in other western states, too. It's it's a matter of the, I think it's a, on a level of the federal EPA is the worst part of it. But um, I think the good news is we people like us and people like yourself and Lisa on the air like this and getting the word out about gold mining and and you know, getting people interested in it, that to me is the best thing that we can do and share positive things about, you know, the the experiences that we have and the people we meet. And I think that's a big part of getting this thing opened up so that the more people that are doing this when Mr. Trump's finished being president, the less chance there will be of any kind of reversal once somebody else is in charge. So, I think we're doing a good thing here, Jack. Well, you know, we're doing what we enjoy, and that's really all we can do is keep on plugging and doing what we're enjoying. And hopefully, we can make the uh, world a better place, and the uh, and the gold prospecting community a better place. And that's really all we can hope for. And try not to worry so much about what the other side is doing because they're all screwed up anyway. So. <laughs> I know one thing, we're certainly making it a bigger place because I know the numbers, if I'm not mistaken, the numbers were up pretty good on the gold shows out west this year, weren't they? They they continue to grow, yes, with with all these podcasts. And, and, you know, we never had this type of stuff in the past. Uh, You know, all you had in the past was, you know, like 
Fox News or Rush Limbaugh or something like that, you know, that have their listeners. But, man, now you got everybody out there doing this stuff. So we're growing. Well, that was that's one of the great things that the Internet opened up was information. Mm-hmm. We we can get the information out there on numerous platforms. Yes, and that's good. And I want to thank you and Lisa for stopping by tonight and remind everybody to listen to Jack and Lisa Tucker on Mixler Radio, on Gold Fever Radio at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday. Did I get that right, Jack? Yeah. Yeah. 8 p.m. or 5 p.m. Pacific, as we like to say. There you say Pacific. <laughs> well, they live on the Pacific time zone. <laughs> well, we're in Arizona. Our time don't change, so it's it's hard to keep remembering what what time we're on everywhere. You know. <laughs> won't be long. It won't be a problem. Yeah, I wish they get so we, everybody didn't change. <laughs> but All right, thanks yeah, for yeah, we're going to take off here. And, Go do some stuff. So well, we want to thank you for having us on. Well, you and bet. And I want you guys to feel free to jump on with us anytime. If you have some kind of news stuff from out in uh, you know Arizona, or you, you're uh, going to be traveling and uh, up into Colorado, I know we're going to be joining you up there. So anytime, any place, as far as Sunday nights, nine to eleven Eastern, or uh, I guess it's six to. Yeah, six to nine. Six for us. Nine. <laughs> yeah, we're Pacific. Pacific. That's it. Yeah, it's almost my bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost dark, right? <laughs> yeah, oh, dark thirty is my bedtime. That's right. <laughs> well, thanks a lot, guys. Stop in any time. All right, you guys you take bet. care. Have a good evening. Thank you. Thank right. you. Jack and Lisa Tucker from uh, Go Fever Radio over on Mixler. Great couple. Oh, yeah. Uh, We had a blast in Oregon last year. Um, We were up there almost two. Well, we were actually in camp about a week before the eclipse came, started, and all. everybody started showing up for the event. And then I believe, if I'm not mistaken, we were there almost a week after. So. We had a lot of time to hang out with Jack and Lisa and a lot of other people in the Lost Dutchman Mining Association. We highly recommend that organization to anybody listening, along with the Gold Prospectors Association of America. You can look either one of those up at their respective www. And also, I want to put a little plug in, since we were talking about Northern California earlier, a little plug in for the new 49ers out of Happy Camp. Dave McCracken and crew, uh, Derek Eimer, and uh, I know a whole host of people up there that are having a blast this summer, getting lots of great gold out of the Klamath. And my buddy Justin Denig, he's up in that area. We'll probably be catching up with him sometime in the summer season. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a busy time for us here pretty soon. But before all that happens, you can join us on Thursdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time for our other show, Crypto and Then Some. Same place, same call-in number, different show. Right, and just uh, and if you missed the show, either of the shows, make sure to catch us on archives at uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash KDCL Media. 
and all of our archives are are there, and you can go back and listen to some of the old golden oldies. <laughs> but, oh yeah, great sunset. But uh, no, that's what what I was showing you. Yeah, I know. It was your sunset. Oh, my sunset. On their page. Uh, <laughs> they said they're going to do that, and that's really cool because Jack and I had a conversation here not long ago, and we come up with the idea that we should do more for each other as far as the whole internet radio thing because they do a great show over on Mixler and we decided that because we're both retired now, we're uh, enjoying this season and ones to come uh, being able to do pretty much what we want when we want and for as long as we want so the gold season is, even though it's a little late starting for us, it's going to kick off in style here pretty soon. Oro Expeditions 18 looks like possibility of a northeast adventure, a southeast adventure, and most definitely a across the big muddy adventure. A western adventure. <laughs> Over that big muddy. Yeah, and it's really been big and muddy this year. <laughs> Hopefully they don't. Hopefully there's at least one bridge left by the time we get there. <laughs> I don't know. If they don't get some infrastructure going soon, <laughs> we might be rowing well, across. <laughs> no, no. We'll get one of them motorhomes that floats. Oh, that's right. They have those now. Yeah, they got them. Like a 40-footer, man. You go full-size motorhome and just drive right down the river and turn off the engine and turn on the outboard. Yep. And... uh after you've listened to us on Thursday on Crypto and then some, make sure you're here next Sunday, once again, 9 p.m. Eastern, for yeah, the next on, edition of Oro Expedition After Dark. I'm working on the guest list there. It's uh, possible. I'd like to, for buddy Kevin to come back on since we keep talking about him, and Jack and Lisa mentioned him this evening. Uh, Kevin, if you're catching the archives, you know the number. Come on on. Yeah, I think we need to have a metal detector show. We're going to do a metal detector show. I'm glad you said that. That's coming up this week. This this coming Sunday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, on uh, Oral Expeditions After Dark. Now, the After Dark part, we've decided we're going to be adding a little bit of flavor here and there, kind of like tonight with uh, Jack and Lisa talking, uh, getting a little bit into the politics and a little bit off the subject of mining and more into other things that are important to this country and important to people like ourselves and Jack and Lisa. So if uh, I'm going to just put this out there, kind of like an old buddy of mine, Mother Tom used to say, if what you're hearing on here that's in a political nature isn't your cup of tea, uh, you might as well go to the little place where you take a dookie now because it ain't going to get any better. Boy, you sure cleaned that up. <laughs> as good as I can get it. And if you wonder what she's talking about, you want to refer back to the 2014 episodes. I just heard one tonight. Or today. I listened to an archive today. We had a blast back then on the air. But, yeah, well, anybody who looks up Mother Tom, they'll get the gist of what you meant. <laughs> he was... Uh, an old truck stop comedian. Might not be able to find him by Mother Tom on the internet. It'd be uh, a little Gene tougher Tracy. than Well, yeah, you can find him by Mother Tom. That's the way I find it. Uh, Gene Tracy or a.k.a. Mother Tom. 
right. used to hang out in truck stops. And uh, we only got seven minutes left. Only that's seven. How, that's how fast the show went with having Jack and Lisa Tucker with us. They're, they're great to have on, and I can't wait till we are on their show again and they're over here again. We're going to do that on a regular basis. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, Jack has this little dog. Uh, I don't know if it's a Yorkie or a Silky. And he, he has a four-wheeler, and he rides around camp. Oh, yeah. And he has a little set of goggles that goes on. I can't remember the dog's name. <laughs> I, I should have asked him to see. Don't him. dare touch, try to re- touch him either, pet him. Oh, no, that's, yeah. That's, he's riding, and he he's up there. He's guarding that ATV, and got his little goggles on, and his little kerchief, and him and Jack going down. The- <laughs> we got pictures of that. I'm going to have to find them and post them. We'll post the pictures if I can find them. So, yeah, that's another great thing about Gold Camp, folks. If you're thinking about going out and checking out these gold uh, organizations like we're talking about, uh, as far as the Lost Dutchman Mining Association goes and the new 49ers, pets are welcome. Uh, of course, you know, certain restrictions in place, but uh, that's the best part about it. You don't have to leave your pet in a kennel or someplace to go and have some fun for a week or two looking for shiny yellow metal. Just as long as they're well-behaved and on their leashes. So it's... Uh-oh. 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 Yeah, the, the GTO just pulled in. <laughs> I like GTOs. Good American muscle. Yeah. Rosalie <laughs> must have just bought one. Looking good. Uh-oh. I don't know where. Well, I do know where that came from, but we'll just leave that it's there a good too. Thing, it's a good thing we got our microphone tuned up for her right now, and because uh, we're about to put this one in the can. Yeah, well, it's a little early tonight, but it's been a big night. So, uh, join us Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, for crypto and then some, and we'll be back here next Sunday night for the next edition of Oro Expedition. Oh. Just in case you're wondering what the crypto and then sums all about, you might want to cruise over to www.orocastblockchain.com. And And if you want to find out more about our gold mining adventures, it's oroexpeditions.com. Exactly. The two two most bestest sites there is. Check out the marquee because there's links in the marquee to both sites. Just click on the link. See more. Seymour, that's right. Seymour and Don't forget to click on Seymour, too. (laughs) And to take us out of here tonight, our, 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 I guess if a couple has to have, it's supposed to have their song. No, you said this was my song. This is Oro's song. Yeah, when, uh, when Oro was out on the road in 2013. Uh, 2009. Was it that long ago? When we first started, I believe you turned me on to this the first year. Yeah. I thought this was we. I, I this came out when you were gold mining. No, if or I remember trucking. right, or trucking. I remember right. I was trucking, and you were getting ready to go on a trip with me because we were doing the radio show. We just started it, and we decided to do Chasing the Silver Eagle or the trucking show. Over whatever, the road. Over the road. And it was before we had other drivers that was coming on with us all the time, and. I remember right. You said you were here and I was trucking on a show, and you said 
I've never done this before, but I want to dedicate this song to my husband. Right. Cause I we, said, what is it you never done before? <laughs> he said, I just said, I just said it. Dedicate a song to my husband. And here we go. Rosalie Shear. Good night, everybody. Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. 
But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.